The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. They're tangling in the back of the pack. Here they come off four. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? Where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. Presented by Crosley. Amplify your style. Here are your hosts, Taylor Burris and Justin Prince. Welcome to a brand new season of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and on NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host once again, Taylor Burris. Alongside me is Justin Prince, our producer, the great Richard Colbreth, and Justin. A new season, but a lot of news has happened in between the two weeks we had off from the show, but we're back at it, ready to get started with a brand new season, a brand new year coming right around the corner as we kick things off, as we sit down with the champion of the eNASCAR Contender Series, as well as newly back installed into the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, Colin Keister. Yes, it's been a very busy past couple weeks, to say the very least, from big-time racing events to big-time qualifiers for drivers to make their way to the top levels of the sim, especially on the stock car racing side. It's been a very busy time, to say the very least, for all the competitors who are wanting to showcase what they can do, and that doesn't even get to scratching the surface of a lot of the movement that's been going on for some respective drivers. But let's start things off today by discussing things with Colin Keister indeed, who had a very successful Contender Series campaign. Coming away with just the one victory, but he topped the series in top 10 finishes with six out of the seven rounds going that way. That meant his only drop was the one time he finished outside the top 10. Four top fives as well, three points the differential between him and Donovan Strauss. Colin Keister, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Coke Series. Glad to be here, and I'm happy to be back in the series and hope to get that going here soon. <laughs> first things first, talk us through the Contender Series grind to be able to get yourself to this position because it was definitely a very consistent run for you where Texas just ended up being the worst run, but at that point, you're already locked in on the points. Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough all season to keep the nose clean and stay out of trouble and Start of the season, we had I had some pretty good qualifying efforts and was able to come away with top five, top ten finishes. And of course, I got that win there at Homestead. And then I was hit a little rough patch and couldn't seem to hit the qualifying lap right. And it was very frustrating. But we had some very fast cars, and I was able to drive through the field there at Dover, and then again at Darlington, and actually at Texas. I was I thought I had a pretty good chance at the win and I had messed up my pit stop there and got a penalty and that kind of ruined our chances there. I was looking for another good run there, but other than that, it was a pretty good season for us and I'm glad to come away with the championship. And an ale-biter indeed, especially with the speed Donovan Strauss had shown at times throughout the campaign. But of course, when it comes to the Contender Series, it's a big story with you being able to make your way back to the series. One of the first who have been able to all the way back in this format, where essentially you were away from the series competition for about a year or so as a result of some of the relegation that can come into play with the racing. Talk us through that 
mindset you had once you had to essentially say, I've got to qualify my way back in to be able to have a shot to race again for a Coke championship? Um, yeah, well, it honestly started about a year ago, right after the uh, Pro Series has ended. I had a rough season there. Didn't get the finishes I wanted, and I knew I had to I had to change the way I drive a little bit. I, I tend to be aggressive, but I've kind of changed the way I do that, and I've been able to stay clean, and it all started with start there in the truck series and I had a little team with a couple guys and we were able to make it through the qualifying around round one we did well and then qualifying around two and then right back into the pro series and just again I just learned to be not as aggressive and just take what I could get and that led to very consistent finishes let's start off with round one in that regard because first if you don't mind me asking who are you with then what did you pick up that you were able to use and learn to go on to your next destinations for round two in the contender series? Uh, round one, it was just, it was myself, Colin Bowden, uh, Justin Oblock, and Ty Bass. We were just together on uh, Space Station. It was just our, us four working on the setups. And we didn't, we didn't have quite the speed we wanted, but we had good enough speed. And then... Uh, we were we did we, we were able to pick up I think I think I won a race there at uh shoot uh heck I can't remember I think Richmond we got a win there we were able to get through that first round and then round two we ended up working with the North Force guys. How did that come all about to make that connection with North Force to take yourself even more further with that? Of course, we've seen Colin Bounding keep the space station backing all the way to Contender Series competition, for example. Oh, uh, yeah, the Norse Force all came about right when round two was starting. Uh, Isaac Gone, I've actually, I've known him for a while, and he had messaged me and asked if we wanted to work with him because they had, I think they had four drivers, and then, then it was just uh, Colin Bounding and myself, and they thought if we worked together, we could put together some really good setups and be able to run up front. And that's what that's what we ended up doing. We just figured there was a lot of other bigger teams. Like it, it, it couldn't hurt us if we had a few more people working on the car each and every week. It certainly is astounding of what you were able to accomplish with just the one win that you've picked up this season, of course, at Homestead. But what would you have to say be the most challenging thing about this entire run that you've done in the 2021 E-NASCAR Road to Pro and Contender Series that makes this championship as well as this format and stepping stone to get back into the Coke Series different than previous iterations when you try to make your way into the Coca-Cola series? I guess really the ch most challenging thing would be just it's a year-long grind. You got to – I guess the the truck series, that was in every other week, but still it was – we started in March, and that finished in the end of September, beginning of October, and then we had to jump right into the contender series, and that was week in and week out, so you really just – had to be running laps all year. And I'm just, I'm glad to be, to get through it and be ready for the Coke series. It certainly is. But now it's time to take a step back. You've been on a member of iRacing since 2012, and you've had the opportunity to compete in the Ian e Ascar Coca Cola iRacing series. But 
what made you want to be a part of iRacing and talk to a little bit about your journey of how you worked your way into it? Oh, I guess really just started as a kid. I've I've always watched NASCAR from probably three, four years old, and I played the uh, console games, NASCAR games on the PS2 and the PS3, and I think around 2011 or so, a bunch of guys that I had been, actually Michael Guest was the one I played NASCAR 09 with, and I remember him getting iRacing, and he eventually got me into it, and I've really never looked back since. You certainly have, and you've made quite a name for yourself, of course, being a winner in 2020 in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, as well as your overall career. Just on the oval side alone, 3,200 starts and 1,300 wins over your span of a career, an average finish of sixth position. I mean, a phenomenal career, but the question next I wanted to ask you is, since being involved in 2012, how have you seen the changes of iRacing continue to develop to help improve as well as also more publicity when it comes to this format and style of e-motorsports? I guess really the biggest thing on here is we can we're a lot easier to race closer definitely. I think a lot years ago we had a lot of connection issues, but nowadays it seems like you could you can really do some close quarter racing. And of course, we've the cars have been developed better, and we get the updated tracks. And the only thing we're really missing right now is if we could get that dynamic track back. But it seems to be going in the right direction. We're really, I mean, we got there's a lot of big names in eNASCAR now from the outside world. And I'm just I'm hoping it could keep on growing and see where the future takes us. Certainly is, and we talk a little bit about some of the things that you are involved with, you know, outside of esports, you know, what are some other hobbies or interests that you have when it comes to, you know, outside of iRacing, sim racing and period? Um, I go hunting and fishing every once in a while. Uh, during the, uh, during the summers, I like to play softball. We play a slow pitch softball uh, drinking league. That's always a good time. Uh, other than that, go bowling with friends and, sh and stuff. Oh, heck, not a whole lot. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I used to go, I like to hang out. We have a big group of friends. We usually just go have a good time on the weekends and drink. That's that's usually, that's what I do a lot. Nothing wrong with that, of course. Justin? I was about to say, was that part of the inspiration for your paint for Contender? For reference, for those who have not seen it, it is a Budweiser car with a Michael Conti number eight on it. Oh, uh, yeah, yes, that... That partially is, I was a big Dale Jr. fan growing up, and I like that number eight, and Budweiser, of course, and plus, I do enjoy the, I do enjoy drinking beer every once in a while. <laughs> I was wondering about that in terms of that backing, per se, in terms of those logos. I'd also like to clarify something when it comes to the fun side, because there was a bit of a rumor from one of the races that you did take a drop for in round two. Did you end up going to the beach instead of racing in one of the races in round two, if you don't want me asking? And how would you describe in turn your approach for your 2021 run where it seemed you were trying to take a very fun approach, a casual approach, almost to say? Yeah, that was a beach trip that we had. Pl I had planned like eight months before, and I tried to 
set it up to where I could use a different sim rig while I was down there, but I just never really came through. And I knew my points position in round one was already very good. I think I'd run top five, top 10 every week. And I knew that I could afford the drop. Well, actually, that was round two. Yes. I knew I, I, yeah. So hang on. Yeah, that was actually the beginning of the season. I was just, I was basically banking on me running very well for the rest of the season. And it turned out well for me. Because I ended up running top five and top ten every week. But that was just something that it was scheduled way ahead of time and it just fell in a bad time. You mentioned the yearly grind. How difficult is it to try and manage stuff like that, knowing the necessary requirements that some may have for the grind, but in turn trying to balance having free time and being able to manage friends and family and trying to manage work schedule? How would you describe your balance for that this year? especially since it seemed for some it was a tough balance to the point where you had some drivers in some top levels trying to race from hotel rooms recently in the pro levels. Yeah, other than that week I was at the beach, I was fortunate enough that not too many things got my way. I usually just tried to get about an hour or so in each day practice, and that's that was able to that took care of most stuff. And other than that, it really didn't – I didn't really have anything getting get in the way all all season. Now, of course, you've always been someone that's had confidence, to the very least. One of our first discussions I think we've ever had on the service was an IRP race, and I believe it was a discussion after some something involving pit stops or something involving top split level drivers. And the question came into how long does it take to learn in terms of trying to ask that to the other drivers. You made a pretty bold claim at the time where you were quick the second you picked up the wheel. How would you describe that now that you've had to, you've made the Coke series, but then fell back out and had to work your way back in for this year to be able to have a shot to show this is my shot now to see how quick we can be. Yeah. Again with that, I just, I think I've, I, like I said, I've always had good speed. I think my biggest issue was patience and trying not to be overly aggressive. And that's what I, through this entire year, that's what I've learned a lot. Just take what you can get. Don't be too aggressive and the rest will come to you. And I think it's it's made me a little faster because I'm able to keep my tires on it and keep the car clean. And it's really given me better results as well. Now let's look up a little bit towards the future now because a lot's changed even the span of a course of a year because 2020 accelerated a lot. 2021, it seems to have leaped up another couple notches. Now with the next-gen car being a talking point, knowing that it's not necessarily solidified, of course, on the service, with the package only being solidified a couple weeks ago in real-world action, your opinion on trying to race essentially in a new car, which would essentially be the equalization of a lot of teams, at least outward appearing, it looks, to potentially balance things out and is essentially a reset for many of the technical alliances in their balance compared to Gen 6. Yeah, so that's one thing I'm really looking forward to. Um, I want to see which teams figure it out the fastest, and that's going to be a big thing for the start of the years, which teams can get the setups right and who's going to have the best car. And also for us drivers, looking forward to seeing how to get it around the racetrack. And of course, like you said, the iRacing will still need to update it. I don't think we have the updated uh, package yet, but I'm looking forward to trying to learn the car, especially now with 
I'm really happy that they added that horsepower and lowered the downforce a little bit because before I was I was a little iffy on it, but now it looks like we should, we could have some pretty good racing. And I'm hoping that our team can hit on the setups at the beginning of the year and run well. Just out of curiosity, have you tried it with the what is essentially the initial lower horsepower totals and your opinions on at least what you felt, if you have? I I ran a race like a month or so ago at Bristol, and I've noticed that we had a lot of grip, which was unfortunate, but it was still really fun to drive, and it has a lot of tire fall off is what I noticed. Like You had to really back it off at the beginning or your right front tire was going to fall off, which was, I did enjoy that. So I, I, I enjoy when there's a lot of fall off and that driver really c- comes into play there. For reference, by the way, in that tire fall, for those listening in, ran the next-gen car myself at Iowa. Those tires, if you don't know how to save, you will pop them in 58 laps, Taylor. I certainly agree, because I did the same exact thing the week Iowa came around. <laughs> so, but, Colin, you know, you're now back at it in the Coke series. Who out of this field of 2021, this class of 2021 for this season, are you looking forward to competing against? And in your opinion, who are going to be the ones to keep an eye on and watch when we go racing starting in February? I mean, to be honest with you, I'm looking to compete against every single one of them. They're all, we're all, everyone's good. And you never know who's going to be the top guys, but few, of course, you always got to look out for Keegan. Keegan will be very good. Uh, of course, you got Mitchell. He's on Mitchell on them road courses is I would say the best at the road courses, and he's been getting a lot better at the ovals as well. So he'll be a force dragon with. And I mean, there's just, there's a lot of guys that are very good. I think uh, Graham Graham will have a good year this year. Let's see who else there's there's just too many to name. Of course, Luza Luza's always fast. So basically, pretty much the entire field is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yes, correct. (laughs) Like like I said, these 40 guys, are everybody, anybody can win. Well, uh, we look forward to seeing what you can do this season coming up in 2022, Colin. Uh, Before we close this interview out, where can people go to follow your career and keep an eye on you on what you have going on for the rest of 2021, which is coming to an end, of course, but also going into 2022 to learn more about, you know, where you possibly may go, who you may possibly be driving for, as well as what to be looking forward to. Uh, really, my main social media that I use is just my Twitter, and that's just my name, no spaces, Colin Keister. That's my handle on Twitter. That's where you'll see everything about me. Any plans of streaming for you competing in the Coke series as well, or... Because we see that pretty much a lot now with a lot of Coke drivers. I would like to stream, but I think I need to upgrade my equipment a little bit before I do that. Because my, my computer's okay, but it's a little iffy sometimes when I try to fire the stream up. I hear <laughs> you. I'll, I'll, I'll keep them updated. If you, you'll see it on, on my Twitter if I do, if I am going to stream. Well, Colin, again, congratulations on your championship in the eNASCAR Contender Series, as well as your return back to the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series Class of 2022. We look forward to seeing what you can do, and good luck to you. Thank you. You guys have a good one. Thanks for having me on here. 
Of course, that is Colin Keister, and we are going to be right back with the news of the week. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince-Taylor Burris with you alongside our producer, Richard Colbrant, as we go into the news of the week. And what has been a busy past couple weeks on the iRacing service when it comes to World Championship action and many more. Let's start things off with the iRacing World About Lost NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car World Championship. Where it is Alex Bergeron who is now at the top of the point standings after he beat the rest of the field in the last round for his respective run. This time at Knoxville Raceway for his first victory of the season. But it didn't come without controversy because it was a 1.3 second lead when Hayden Cardwell found grip around the top of the racetrack and utilized the cushion to mow down that gap and quickly. It got to the point where coming out of turn four, coming to the white flag, Cardwell attempted to try and use the cushion to pass by Bergeron before the two made contact. Bergeron ended up holding onto his car while Cardwell went on to his side. Bergeron held on to win the race to pick up his first feature victory of the season. Brayden Eiler, Tyler Shell, Blake Majulis, Aiden Beerline rounded out the top five. Taylor, it was a controversial finish to say the very least. Bergeron led all the laps, yes, but it could have been much more different coming to that white flag if there wasn't any contact. And it was a major talking point across the whole community after the words, too. It's been just a controversial week when it comes to anything motor racing. You see it in the real world with Formula One, and we see it now in the virtual world when it comes to, of course, the world of outlaws. But you got to be careful of how this issue is. You got to think from both drivers' perspective, Justin, I would have to say about what each driver would have done. We all both know Bergeron is definitely one who knows what it takes to win races and win championships. But it's the same thing with Cardwell. He had a better car towards the end where he could challenge, but I think it's safe to say it all just means he just ran out of time because as we saw, it was a one-lap shootout after that caution. Yeah, it that was just the amount of, if there were a few more laps even, if there was a late race caution, how would things have played out? Because Cardwell, again, was a long distance back before that situation, Taylor, coming out of the corner. And a lot of people understand it to where it was essentially a racing deal situation if you talk to him because it was either he tries to dime in the corner coming off a of turn four. Many people thought he should have done that from what I've seen in the community. But there was also a strong chance after looking towards the replays and looking towards the angles, and I think Cardwell picked up on this, Taylor, he might have hit the back in a Bergeron, which would have sent Bergeron into the wall, and that would have been the controversy on Cardwell's side. It was also the option of going around the cushion, trying to floor it on the top line like he did, and hope that there was no contact. The contact ended up happening, of course, coming towards the white flag. Or it was just wait another lap. But even then, would he have gotten another chance like that, Taylor, is the big question. So you have to break it down those ways where it was almost a very lose-lose situation almost where you only had maybe one true shot left if you're Cardwell, but at the same time, if you're Bergeron, who has been close a couple times this season but hasn't gotten any single feature win before that night, you want to win the race. 
you want to win the race and get the top prize pool money for that respective round. And not only that, but with that win, that would give him maximum points as well. Exactly. So you have it's it's this wonderful thing when it comes to motor racing in in general. Period. It's that tight line of whether you want to be the hero that makes that move and gets the win, or in some cases, people might view you as the villain to where you go in there, in a sense, put the bumper, even though these sprint cars don't really have a bumper, and you have to be careful with this type of move. But you have to be so careful of how you race your competitors because you may be fine and you may do the bump and run to get around your competitor to win that race. But you've got to remember, there's another race the next week. And I have a feeling if that was the case, Bergeron would not would keep that in mind and remember that for the next round. And that just causes more controversy. We see it in motor racing all across different forms of motor racing. And it's just that fine line of whether you're going to be the hero or the villain. And as we get closer to the end of this championship, drivers are going to be showing a little bit more of that villain side in order to win this championship and win the big money and win the big prizes. Especially since it's been the different a different type of championship in general in terms of tone and feel because not one driver has really had a consistent run throughout the campaign outside of Edens who won a couple races in a row. And now it's the matter of coming up on that schedule, keep in mind, it is a series of tracks shorter than half a mile. Cedar Lake Speedway, the first of those racetracks, January the 10th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch that on Dirt Vision iRacing social media platforms. That is expected to be a fireworks show because there's been a lot of talk after that. It could get wild, especially with the separation in the points, mind you, six points between Bergeron and Merriman. With that, let's take a now turn back towards the eNASCAR Contender iRacing Series and talk about how things fared out there because a few weeks back, things wrapped up there and drivers got their unofficial motions forward in towards the 2022 roster for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Keister, as mentioned, won the championship, but it was Donovan Strauss who finished second three points behind. Dylan Alt, Caden Honeycutt, Lake Reynolds rounded out the top five. Also notables who made the top 20, Parker Retzlaff, Cody Bias, Garrett Lowe, Briar LaPrade, Kyle Peddle, also amongst that top 20. Mentioned Cohen Bowden, along with Derek Baudreau, along with Brian and Mercurio. The last drivers in, Liam Brotherton, Derek Justice. And based on the retirement announcement that came out that night of the finale from Bob Bryant, Malik Ray gets the final spot in Taylor. So when it's a very stacked field with a lot of drivers returning back to pro levels for the first time in a while in some cases. In others, it is a big crop of rookies expected to take the field in 2022. It certainly is, Justin. And looking at this lineup of drivers, I have to say we thought 2021 was a competitive and aggressive field of drivers. I have to say this one is going to be just as intense and just as exciting to see who can come out on top out of the rookie class of drivers, but also who some of these returning favorites will have what it takes to go head-to-head. And of course, the big equalizer of all of this, the next-gen car. Technically, right now, as we all know in the world of NASCAR, the next-gen car got a little bit of a horsepower upgrade to 670, as well as a little bit of a droppage in the spoiler height. So we currently, on iRacing, do not have that updated package. So drivers kind of are in a little bit of a limbo right now to determine what they can do with their cars. 
And I got to say, we hopefully should be seeing the updated package before the season opener at Daytona. But I want to ask this point to you, Justin. How critical is the timing regarding this amount of time left in order to be prepared for Coke Series, but yet don't have the correct package for the car? That is a very good question because I've asked what the expectations are to a couple drivers for what to expect for 2022 in regards to that package. And what I can say is, for many of the drivers, they're expecting a very busy few weeks before the start of the season. That's the best thing I can really say, because for a lot of the drivers, they are not sure what's going to end up happening in terms of what, how it's going to impact setups, how it's going to impact everything. And essentially, if you're any of the technical alliances in the series this year, you're expecting essentially probably a massive, massive, massive amount of time how to be taken to learn every single nuance of the car, to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what translates from what. Because essentially, it is a nearly completely different car setup-wise. Just about everything doesn't even cross over, really, from the Gen 6 car, from my understanding. You have different ways you have to build the ride heights to it because of all the parts on the bottom of the race car, or the undercarriage, rather, of the car. It's not the same type of way to build it, and in turn, it's going to make things much more tricky, especially early seasons goings. There was a discussion, remember, when talking about the potential of the next-gen car in terms of the momentum swings for teams and how things could go. We may see it where, similar to what we may see in real life, one team figures something out for a couple weeks, the others catch up. Another team figures something out, another team pulls away from the group. That may be the type of season we see this campaign, and it's going to be the matter of, by the time you get towards the championship side of things, Who's figured it out the most to be able to legitimately run good for the title? It certainly is. And that's going to be the greatest question that we'll have to see come February. Of course, we know, of course, the season opener will be at Daytona International Speedway in sometime in February. The only thing, though, is what's going to be the rest of the schedule? That's what everybody's kind of waiting to see about as it will be a full-on season that will test the might of pretty much every single 40 drivers that goes in to compete. But also, as we are in this off-season time, another big question is, where will everybody go? We all know that these 20 teams that iRacing has in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series now have some very important decisions to make as far as who to sign on for 2022, as well as if they will keep any drivers. I think really, though, to say, as we kind of already have an idea, Justin, two major teams for a fact will not be changing. That will probably be 2311 along with William Byron Esports with their four two drivers on their teams. But as far as everyone else, excluding maybe junior motorsports, everyone else is pretty much up in the air as far as where they will go. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up as well, because there's so much in terms of what could happen in the free agency period in 2022, because you can kind of see some potential lines with some of the teams having backing from, say, Space Station Racing when it comes to the NASCAR Contender I Racing Series competition but it's also the matter of who actually commits to who. Keep in mind, I was just double-checking this to make sure on this. It's seven total returning drivers who made the top 20 total, 21, I should say, to be able to get spots into the field for this upcoming season unofficially. 
depending on how things fare out with other drivers and whatnot, that may increase another one or two returning. There's going to be a potential a lot of movement because it's not quite as simple as for a lot of these groups of drivers having someone committed. And for some, it will become a very tough choice, Taylor, because for some, we're talking about groupings of development drivers that are that were running under backings for some of these groups who don't have that flexibility, at least from the outside, coming into the season. There's a lot to think about, Taylor. You certainly these groupings. And, it, and keep in mind, drivers like Parker Redslap, Caden Honeycutt, they'll definitely have some backing when it comes to the real world action to be able to showcase this is what it can bring to a sponsor or open up doors. Donovan Strauss, Colin Keister, obviously, too. Dylan Owen proved he was able to find a lot of speed the second half of the season. There's a lot of potential places that these places, these teams could go. There is not really a secure even pathway for most of these drivers. No, there really isn't. But also I have to say another thing that has been a big surprise as well, Justin, regarding this entire 2021 season is the amount of retired drivers that are retiring from the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series or not going back through the rankings of Road to Pro and contenders for those who were outside the top 20, tried to run in the Pro Series, but failed to qualify back in. Can it's safe to say is the competition is getting just so tough, as well as the commitments that these drivers have to put in week in and week out, putting thousands of hours in just about to set up for either a Coca-Cola race or a road to pro or contender series. Is it safe to say that the pressure is getting some of these drivers to where it's like, it's almost not the best idea to continue on. I can't really save for everyone, obviously, because for some they've been in the sim racing scene. You have to think some of the drivers who have essentially had to take a step back, like Davies, like Schoenberg, like, Shearburn specifically had who had referenced if he made it back in, he'd retire after this season for Coke. For a lot of the drivers you have to consider, they've been around the scene for a long time. For others like Justin Bolton or Blake McCann, or rather I should say for a couple of the R drivers, they have opportunities elsewhere in terms of potential lining up. The reason I mentioned McCandless is him saying on his stream after the contender race that he didn't feel like he should run again keep in mind for a lot of the drivers too it's also going to be a matter similar to what we may see in the real life cup series this year who's going to be able to learn the new car and who wants to take the time to do it and if you don't feel like you might enjoy it we've seen in the case of a couple drivers alluding to it that they prefer not to try the next gen car so it's really for some of the drivers it seems taylor case-to-case basis you can't just put a blanket statement and say oh they're just tired of it it's not just as simple as that no you're absolutely right but as we look ahead to 2022 we see a lot of drivers who have been in this world championship competition almost since the inception is it now safe to say could we possibly see more drivers who are part of this 2022 class possibly consider retirement a part of the 2022 class Hearing, I've been hearing rumblings that there's going to be at least one, possibly, but I can't say for certain, to say the very least, Taylor, because there's nothing been concrete. But there is already been, been talks of there's expected to be at least 21 slots for 2022 from the Contender Series. 
who it will be, no one said for sure. But there is the potential of that coming down the line. Well, it's going to be an interesting championship for 2022. We are going to go ahead and also mention here on the iRacers download, of course, this is our second season. And for all of those who have been listening since the season one episodes that we started in this 2021 year, I got to say thank you for all of those who listen. But also keep in mind when we get ready for this 2022 season, as well as season two, we got a lot of great things planned out, and we're looking forward to sharing that with all of you. In fact, I will already say, before we kick things off with the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series for 2022, we will try to have every single competitor who is racing this coming season on this show here before we kick things off. So it's going to be exciting. We hope everyone here enjoys the new year as we get ready to kick off the 2022 season. Justin, I got to say, it's been absolutely fun doing this show with you. And of course, with Richard, our new producer here, it's going to be amazing to see what we can do this season and also see what the world of iRacing can offer this world in 2022. Yeah, there's so much that could be coming around the horizon, to say the very least, Taylor. And for the next few months in particular, it's going to be a roller coaster ride to see how some of the drivers fare out, how some of the drivers land themselves towards, how the world of outlaws tries to fare out as things intensify there emotionally. It's going to be a very busy start of the 2020 or 2022 campaign, to say the very least, across the iRacing service, across the board. It certainly is. And of course, January is going to be a very busy month if you think about it already. Of course, the biggest events, of course, are going to be kicking off in January as well with the iRacing Roar special event, which will kick off January 14th through the 16th. We'll have some information regarding that when that kicks off. And then, of course, the biggest one of all, I had to say, probably just in the biggest endurance race out of the iRacing group, the iRacing Daytona 24, January 21st to the 23rd, the 2022 edition will be set with the LMP2 cars and GT3. We will also preview as well as discuss that special event to come. And then, of course, I believe, if I remember correctly, the 2022 season of the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup will be kicking off very soon in 2022, sometime in January or February. Schedule is yet to be announced, but it's going to be an exciting season that we can't wait to talk about all things Porsche. I agree with you on that one. It's going to be a fun 2022, 2022 to say the very least. It certainly is. And of course, later on in the month of January, we will have the champion of the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Championship later on as they will wrap up their season. But for that, it is time that we come to a close. For Colin Keister, our special guest, for my co-host Justin Prince and our producer Richard Colbreff, I am Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and the start of Season 2 of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. 